welcome to And That's How We See It. My name is Sarah. My name is Cindy. And today we're going to be talking about something really fun that everyone loves to talk about. Not. <laughs> Racism. Um, this is going to be from the perspective of two white people, and I know that's, um, what you're thinking right now is probably, oh god, we're going to listen to another bunch of white people try to explain racism to me when I already fully understand what racism 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 is. I can't talk because I'm nervous. Um, but this is going to be a different perspective of people who I would consider myself to not be racist. And I would consider you to not be racist. Um, but we're going to talk about how the generational mindset can change how people perceive racism. Because how you grew up depends on how you think. You know, you learn from your parents and their thoughts and their teachings is how you grow up to think and how you teach your kids. And that's how racism trickles down. So talking about it from the root is really how you, how, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. That didn't really make very much sense, did it? It's fine. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to let her talk. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, talking about how my mother had to deal with racism in the thirties and forties. Um, She was a a little white girl who grew up in Kentucky, and the Klan was strong, um, and she, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about much of what she had to go through. Um, the Klan did some really strange things, like, um, she had a cousin that wouldn't work, and, um... He was white, but he wouldn't work, and he had three kids and a wife, and the clan came one night, and they laid a bundle of switches on his porch, and the next morning, he opened up his door, and he saw it, and he went out and got a job. Um, that, that I had, uh, it was strange for me to hear, because, you know, I've always heard about the clan being evil. And I'm not saying they're not. No. (laughs) But that was a strange thing for me to hear her say. But then she went on to tell me that um, one time when she was in the third grade, I think, um, they all went to one little schoolhouse. All the white kids went to one little uh, one-room schoolhouse. And uh, her teacher up in Harlan County, they call it Bloody Harlan, um... And she, she was walking uh, home from school, and she was a lagger. She, she was playing and, and so on and so forth. And her brothers, her brother and sisters, they walked on with their friends, and she was playing. And she heard a group of men come along, and um, she 
hid behind the bushes to see what they were doing. They, she thought they were like uh, probably moonshiners or something like that. And so she hid to see what they were doing. And um, she witnessed the clan hanging a little 10-year-old boy. And they read his charges to him. They said that, you know, he was going to be hung. And it was going to be for rape. He raped a white woman. A 10-year-old? A 10-year-old little tiny little boy. And, uh, well, my mom had known this little boy, and he was, she said, the sweetest little boy. She wasn't allowed to play with him or anything like that. But, you know, she, her and her sisters would sneak over to the black side and, and listen to the church on Sunday evening, um, so they couldn't be seen in the dark. And, but she just loved their music. And she'd go over there. And she'd, she'd, he was a, he sang in the church choir and things like that. So she watched this little boy get hung, and watched him struggle and die. And she said she hid there and tried not to breathe and tried not to do anything because she was afraid that she was going to get killed. And when they left, she took off her home and told her mom. And her mom wouldn't let her, any of them go to school for a week because the clan refused to let his family come and take him down for a week. And the little boy had to rot there in that tree so that he could be, um, you know. Made an example of? Yeah. And, and oh, so. Oh, I want she that that stuck with her and she never forgot that little boy's face and she'd have nightmares about it she's told me this story and you know and it's years decades after all of this has happened and it it really really bothered her yeah because it was it was in the 40s the early 40s and well, that's something difficult to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... And there was no repercussions for this. They no. they were just allowed to kill this little boy. Yeah. And and they... There was nothing that anyone could do. Um, but once the little boy was gone, then they could go back to school. But, you know, to the white school, not... There was no black kids in their school. No, never. You know, I don't. I don't even know if they go to the same school now. I, I think it's still segregated. You know, I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, she, she was glad to leave Bloody Harlan and and never we never went back. back. <laughs> yeah, we never went back there. No. I'm from Kentucky, and um, she never. We never wanted to go up there. She never wanted to see that place. And so, after that story, um, my mom married a man that was very racist. And my dad was really racist. She, he taught us how to be racist. He taught us how to uh, not like anyone at 
the n-word was just thrown around you know willy-nilly there in my house we never really got um you know there was there was it was no big deal you know he never had uh black friends he never now um mexicans we they met and we lived in arizona when i was little and um he had lots of mexican workers my grandfather uh, like sold vegetables to the stores and things like that we we had a huge he had a huge garden and we worked for him and you know we worked right along beside a lot of mexicans but he had no respect for them mm. never anybody i mean he had a trump attitude mm. you know do you think he would have been a trump fan oh yeah definitely i think he definitely would have been he he fit the whole trump persona um, I'm glad I never met him then, because <laughs> I, I might have went off on him, and he probably would have backhanded me, because I would have talked back to him. Yeah, he, you know, you didn't talk back to him, because, I mean, I've seen the repercussions. My mom, he would beat my mom every day, just about. He's broken her nose three times, all kinds of stuff. But, I'm not getting into that, um... He he died when I was about nine years old, almost ten, and I, I really don't miss that. Mm. But my brothers and my sisters, they have that attitude, you know. My sister, I, I kind of understand where she's coming from because she was raped by a gang of Mexicans at a 7-Eleven. Uh, at the side of the 7-Eleven, right there on the sidewalk, and people walking by and not doing anything about it. Yeah. I I can understand her hatred for uh, Spanish people. Well, that would kind of leave, you know, uh, a lasting effect on anybody, if it, even if it wasn't, you know, specifically one race. Yeah. But... But she already had the hatred in her, mm. and then that just only proved her racism even more to her. That exactly. oh, all me- Mexicans are drug addicts and rapists and yeah, and things like that. That just confirmed it. But to her, but for me, when I was in in middle school in um, Mesa, the school that I went to were it was about ninety five percent Mexican. Mm. And, um, and like Mexican Indian, and then just a little bit of blacks, and maybe 5% white. I mean, (laughs) in most of my classes, I it was just me and another kid that was white, and so you know, Mexicans ruled there, and so I I didn't have the black issue because my best friend was black. I couldn't bring her home, of course. No. And I couldn't, like, talk about her at home, except, I, you know, I would have to use her name or something like that. I, you know, and they would ask about her, why didn't I bring her home? And I was like, oh, she can't. She's, you know, she's younger than I am or something. Mm. But, you know, she, she saved my life several times by having my back against 
you know, the Mexican gang. Um, but she, she, um, was there for me. And then, you know, my, my teacher was Mexican. And then I, I, she was like one of my favorite teachers. Yeah. But I never realized that she was Mexican because she was just my teacher. Yeah. Because kids don't see race until they're taught it. Yeah. Until someone says, oh, hey, that kid is black, you are white. Or this kid is Asian, you're this. You know, until you teach them to differentiate. Yeah. They don't know, nor do they care. Yeah. They don't care if, if they're playing with a black kid or if they're playing with a white kid or if they're playing with a Mexican kid. They just know that they're playing. Yeah. So... Kids are not racist. They're taught to be racist. Yeah. They're taught, you know, those hurtful words by adults. Yeah. And and that was one of the things, that's when I started realizing, hey, well, you know what? Maybe they're not all like this. Maybe they're not all evil and, and bad, you know? And um, I would never call my friend the n-word or I would never disrespect my teacher by calling her all the you know horrible names that I heard from Mexicans at home you know and I I just I started learning in middle school that hey that's not that's not right that's not their case they're not all like that they're not bad and then you know, like I started growing up and my, one of my first jobs after I had my uh, son, my oldest son was, um, I worked at a, a home. It had six homes and I would just have to walk through at night and, you know, make sure everyone was safe and, and everything listen for the buzzers, you know. Oh, for old people? Yeah, and, um, it was, um, it was in Mesa, also, and, um, then, like, there was a a huge field in the back of the, the houses. Right. And, um, these gangs would go there, and they would fight. (laughs) They just out in this field? They would just go there and fight. They'd have chains, and sticks and knives and all this stuff but I would go there and I could walk across the street and I could walk through them they never touched me they never looked at me they never you know they would stop and wait until I got across that's kind of funny like a cartoon like they're just in the middle of fighting and then you just walk by and there's like stop well I mean they wouldn't fight right there in the parking lot they would go out in the field and fight but it would be like okay they respected me enough to know that I was helping these elderly people mm. and you know, that you didn't need to be messed with. Th- they wouldn't mess with me. They were mostly Latina and Mexican and, and you know, I realized that, you know, these people aren't that bad. I still had that mindset though, that, Oh yeah, they're just a beaner, you know, or something like that. But I didn't realize that that was a hurtful. Yeah, thought. that it was just a, a word, and it's coming out of my mouth. And yeah, 
but that hurt them. Mm. You know? So, then when I was got a little older and I, you know, my son's like, Mom, you're really prejudiced against Mexican. I, you know, I started thinking, oh, well, maybe I am. I don't want to be, but maybe I am, you know? And when my boys started realizing that, you know, I would talk down about, you know, the Mexicans and, and Latina and stuff, I, I was like, what? This is wrong. This is wrong. I got to change this because I can't let my kids think this way. I can't keep the hate going. Yeah. I can't. I got to stop it somewhere. So I've got to, you know, start training myself and then I started getting more fan, uh, friends that were, you know, African American and and seeing all of this death lately about the African Americans and uh, or Americans that are dying that just happens to be black. I think we have to realize, you know, this is this is coming from inside us. Donald Trump just brought it out. It was there. Oh, it, it was there. He just, like, gave it a speakerphone and then, like, set the speakerphone on fire. Yeah. And... The speakerphone? Speakerphone. You know what I'm saying? The microphone. microphone. <laughs> the speakerphone. I'm a hundred. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It... He he only made it worse. Yeah. Because it, it was, it's been there. I've experienced it. Yeah. And it's just, it's incredible. Like, I had this friend when I was in high school, and um, living in Kentucky again. Um, um, if you weren't aware, Kentucky's pretty racist. Um, oh, there's a lot of Klan and all that kind of stuff. But Not down, proud that I'm, li- that I'm from there. But down south, there's, you know, quite a bit. But this, this kid was like one, one of two black families that were that went to my school Mm. and um they had their own little section of town it was called slab town and that's where all the black people lived and the white people lived everywhere else so like this literally sounds like west side story if you dated him well i didn't date him we we never really like liked each other like that or at least I did it was more of like friend yeah friends he would get off the bus after I would or he would get off the bus before I would but he would wait on me Mm. and we would just like walk the half a mile to our apartments to where we you know he went to his house I went to my house we never like talked anywhere else or anything like that because you know God forbid my brothers find out that I you was talking to a black boy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. I've met um, two of her brothers and uh, yeah, I totally believe that they would have beat both of them up Well, for one knowing. Of, one of my brothers caught us one day and um, he thought that he was hitting on me and he, he said, you know, I will kill you if you talk to my sister again. I will, if you even look at her, I'll kill you. Jesus. And so from then on, I just didn't want to take the chance. And I, I just would wait at the store. I'd walk to the store or something like that before he would walk home or something like, you know, we just didn't talk anymore. 
that's horrible because you know if he was your friend and you just and you you liked each other as friends and you that's important an important part of your life and your yeah. childhood and your development then you should have been allowed to be friends with him yeah if there was no hurt in it he played on the football team and he was a really nice kid and he was just like we didn't talk about anything weird or anything like that we just talked about oh my god are you guys gonna win the you think you have a chance winning the football game this uh weekend or hey you know what about that english test or something like that you know just kids stuff yeah just stuff about our days oh my god lunch was horrible you know things like that and it, it was it was cr- crushing for me because then I thought if I if I put his life in danger or because I knew my brother would fight him he would hurt him he would try to actually kill him and I didn't I didn't want that I didn't want him to get hurt I cared about him too much so I just stopped seeing him stop you know talking to him stop yeah that's loud yeah um I think I think I need to take a breather and let you talk for a while okay because that was a lot to unpack from her yeah um as um I don't know how to start. <laughs> I've I've always I was born in 2000. So you know, I have never experienced like going to a school that was mostly white or mostly you know, another race or anything like that. I've always been in schools that, you know, had a mix of people and a mix of, you know, backgrounds and stuff like that. So I never really thought about race until I got into like middle school probably. That's probably when it started. Um, You know, I knew the difference between um, because we had learned about uh, like slavery and all that. So I knew all that. But I wasn't ever like, I never saw racism like up in my face, like, for real, I had only ever heard about it, and when I, when I first experienced it, I was like, you know, I asked my friend, because I had a lot of friends that were black, (laughs) um, because in my school that I went to, they were the unpopular kids, Yeah, and I'm not, I wasn't Popular. I'm not gonna brag and say I'm popular, but I know I know everyone. Everyone knew me, but like there was only certain people who like knew knew me that were like my friends, and they were like the unpopular kids. And so when this one, um, I'm, I don't like calling her a popular girl, but she was a popular girl. This popular white girl in my class came up to my friend who was black and said you know you stole my pencil and she accused her of stealing a pencil and it was so stupid and the girl she said well you know 
my dad says all black people are, th- are thieves, so obviously you had to have done it. Oh my god, over a pencil? Over a pencil. And she was like, you know what, fine, whatever, just take my pencil. It was a mechanical pencil, and you know, back when I was in school, mechanical pencils meant you were cool. Oh god. Um, <laughs> it was so stupid. But she, I looked over at her and I was like, does that happen all the time? And she was like, yeah, it happens to me a lot. Wow. And I was like, she's, like, st- people say that to you? Like, for real? That actually happens? And she's like, yeah, that's not the only time. And I was like, I, I was mind blown. Wow. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. That, that actually happened to her. She actually said that. That her father said that all black people are thieves, so she had to have stolen a pencil. Wow. All it was is she wanted her pencil. Yeah. <laughs> that was all it was. It wasn't anything other. Because I was talking to her the whole time. She didn't steal the pencil. Well, tell her about, uh, tell them about, um, the lunch lady. Yeah, um, this was also in middle school, but this was at a different middle school. Because, um, I kind of bounced around a lot. Um, from school to school because I'm not a great student. <laughs> we only went to two schools and, and homeschool. I'm not, but, um, the one school that I went to, this was, uh, I, the school that the girl stole the, said she stole the pencil from was a very preppy, rich school. Um, so that was another reason why I was an outcast because I wasn't rich and I'm not preppy. Um, but the second school that I went to was very poor. <laughs> like, we had to share books poor. <laughs> um, and they were falling apart from, like, 1977. Uh, still said Pluto is a planet. Um, but the, my, f- it was, no, she wasn't my friend, sorry. But I knew this girl. She was standing behind me, and... Uh, she asked if she could get in front of me because uh, she wanted to get to her table fast enough so that she could go and she wanted to quickly eat so that she could go and finish up a project in the classroom for the teacher and I said yeah you can just jump in front of me well I guess the lunch lady didn't hear me say that she could get in front of me so when she got in front of me the lunch lady said no get behind her you know who gets served first in this cafeteria. And she looked dead straight in, at her face and said that. And she made her go to the back of the line. And I, I didn't want to eat. I couldn't eat. I felt so horrible. And she said it in front of everyone. The room went silent. And I was like, I, I couldn't eat it. I had to throw it away because I felt like if I ate that, I was going to, I just felt gross by the whole situation that yeah. she, she said that. Yeah. I mean, coming from an adult talking down to a child. And we were just... like, we were like 13 years old. And she said, you know your place. And I was like, I wanted to throw up. And, you know, we, I told the principal about it, but nothing happened. 
And by the way, the school that she was at was in the north. Yeah, this was in Ohio. Um, it was not down south where the, mm-mm. you know, rednecks are. It was in a, a, a up north. In a pri- this prissy old Karen. I hated that lunch lady anyway because she would do horrible stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And looking back on it, it was mostly to the black and Hispanic students yeah. at the school because that was th- those black, white, and Hispanic were the main three groups of kids yeah. at the school. Um, that's not the only racist thing that a teacher has done at that school. Um, again, I wasn't popular. <laughs> so, um, in... Well, the- she was popular, but with the teachers. <laughs> yeah, the teachers loved me. Students hate me because the teachers love me. Um, but this older boy came up to me and he took his history book and it was one of those big, thick, hardback history books. And he hit me in the side of the face with it. He almost broke my glasses and I had a huge red mark from my ear all the way over to my nose. Just all across my face from how hard he hit me. I, he knocked me on the ground. And this kid was white, by the way. Um, And that's important to know because this other kid that was in his his grade um, came up and he pushed him back, grabbed him by the collar and slammed him up against the lockers. And he had his fist clenched and he said, you need to leave, you know, that's not okay. You can't do that. She's one, a girl, and two, she's younger than you. And three, that's rude can't just walk up and clock somebody in the side of the face with a book. And I was, I don't like crying in public, but I was crying. <laughs> and um, then the principal walked up and she only saw the black kid with, like a white kid pushed up against the wall with his fist clenched. And she she sent them both to her office and she asked me if I'm okay. I went to the nurse's office. I didn't have a concussion or anything. I was fine. Just upset. And never called me by the way. Yeah. Mom was never no. I had to tell her about this. Um, but she asked the, the white kid got, uh, one day, a half a day suspended suspension the rest of it so he got to go home early and the black kid got seven weeks of detention um and i told the principal and the principal knew me because i i'm an errand girl and i suck up um i told her you know it wasn't his fault it was the other kid who hit me's fault he was only protecting me and she's like well he threatened him it was violence so we had to you know, punish him. And that was all that was said. And you know, I even went in the next day and tried to reason with her. Yeah, because I, that kid, the, the, the black kid was an honor student. He was, you know, a great person. I had, I had seen him before, like, uh, I'm a klutz, so I fell. And he had been you know, he helped me pick up my books before we had, you know, I've seen him plenty of times and he's so nice and just all in all a good person. And the white kid who hit me 
that would be his fifth time in juvie. Um, he was not a good kid at all, and he personally hated me because, um, the teacher that they had to share, yeah, even the class that they had together was, uh, the teacher favored Sarah. Even though he was a year older than me and he was in the grade up, um, we, I was in special education and he was in, all the special ed kids go together even if you're, you know, um, older or younger. They all, they put them all in one room. No matter what difficulties, like she has, um, trouble, like, grasping, uh, what she reads. That's all. Yeah, I, I'm, and, And so she would be put in there with kids who were... Like, have... Severely handicapped. Down syndrome and and things like that. So, and he he just didn't like me. That was was what it was. He just didn't like me. And also, he had asked me out, and I said no, because I don't like him. But... On a side note, she, um, that's why she's homeschooled. (laughs) But, um... It... And that really made me so mad that this te- this teacher that I this principal that I thought was a very nice lady would punish him even though I said you know that he didn't do anything wrong and I had no problem with him and you know in in that school it was okay to make fun of the black kids in the school it was okay for the n word was was passed around like it was water. Um, you know, people were, kids are horrible. Yeah. And then when I got into high school, um, in that same area, it was magnified. Yeah. Um, you know, I had my, this, I had friends, some friends, well, I, don't consider them friends anymore. Say, oh, you shouldn't hang out with this kid because they're black queer. They said that to me. Wow. And, um, you know. What does it matter? Why? You know, and that person was my best friend on earth. Like, I would, I would die for that kid. He is now a she. And so, you know, I, I respect her so much and I love her to this day when you know my boyfriend stood me up for the dance we danced together all night and you know it didn't it didn't matter that he was gay or that he was black you know he was just my friend who stuck up for me yeah and I think I think we can all learn a lesson from kids to stop all this hatred. Um, if you have a neighbor that's black, don't just assume that they're going to rob you. <laughs> you know? Don't just assume that they're evil people. If you have a, fr- a neighbor that's Mexican, you know, hey, when my mom, when I was little, my mom would have to sneak but we had a neighbor down the street that was um, Mexican, and she, my mom would make biscuits, 
and take them to her and she would trade her for a stack of uh, uh, flour tortillas and um, they would sit there and have like a coke and enjoy each other for a few minutes and then my mom would have to run home because god forbid my dad see her at a mexican's house you know or uh you know and she never had black friends because oh my god that would just be wrong and you know growing up from both these all of these stories i hope that somebody out there can say hey you know maybe i'm doing that maybe i'm I'm racist. Maybe I need to change the way I feel or the way I look at life, you know, because I did. I mean, coming from my background, I mean, my family wasn't a part of any kind of organization or anything like that, but they sure did hate everybody. And I think if we just stopped hating each other, and start like trying to listen to one another. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we can come together and be um, like a united nation. Yeah, you know, United States. You know, united we stand, divided we fall, and we we should remember that. You know, and and care more about what's going on with our our family our neighbors our friends whatever happened to love thy neighbor yeah well some some people take that a little too serious um i stop all these killings stop all of these we have a horrible justice system like a horrible justice system someone who has one joint can get five like seven life sentences but someone who murders or rapes someone could get like three years uh out in one year for good behavior or that there's overcrowding they love that oh the it was too full well maybe build a new prison or get rid of some of those people who have lesser charges don't put the pedophile back on the street that's just my opinion yeah um (laughs) or the murderer or the murderer who will murder again Let's let's like get rid of those pot smokers, you know, out you know, of there. And or look at someone who, you know, we need to. You can't really stop. You know, when people look at, you can't say, oh, just don't judge a book by its cover because everyone does. Oh, it's yeah. just gonna, you know, if someone looks sketchy. They're gonna look sketchy whether they're white, black, or whatever color. You know, if they look sketchy, they look sketchy. And it's a problem with our police. We don't need to get rid of the police, but it needs to be fixed. And instead of making them watch training videos, and instead of making them do all these, like, expensive training courses on racism and stuff like that, why don't you just work on hiring people who are good, decent, hardworking people? Yeah. You know, why don't you make them get out on the street and go to, you know, these na- these prom- prominently black neighborhoods or and make them 
experience what these people go through and then maybe when they see that group of black guys standing on the side of the street corner they won't assume that a drug deal is happening or they won't assume that they're about to commit some crime yeah you know what i mean they'll know oh that's probably just some guys hanging out or or maybe hire the black people in more jobs like that you know maybe, well that's maybe a double-edged sword them... as well because you know black people can be racist against black people too oh definitely but i think that if we hire more um black people or latina or mexican or asian instead of so you know like taking oh the white people have to have the job first you know maybe make a a pot of uh of different cultures then we're not going to be so easy also to it's so easy to uh like you know it's not all going to be one-sided i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah I was gonna and say also like that. maybe punish the people who, yeah. when they do when when you hear fifteen people come in and say hey this person was racist against me maybe look at them and say hey are you racist instead of saying oh or the it's cop okay. who has a high who this cop he's a great cop he's doing a great job and he he's good at putting the bad guys getting them. Look at his arrest record and see how many African American people he's he's actually arresting, and how many white people is arresting. Because I'm sure there's a stark contrast. And and maybe like look into cases every once in a while. You know, are these cases being handled fairly? Are they? And when the a police officer does something like shoot someone, they need to be looked into, whether they're white or black. Yeah, you know, and you and know, without that, pay. Yeah, come on. That man who shot that black guy, and then was allowed to—he just sold his gun, the gun, yeah. the gun that he shot the boy with. Um, he is out now. He's writing a book about the experience. Oh, you're yeah. That case is old, and it's Florida. I mean, what do you expect? I mean, screw you, Florida. I'm sorry. Just screw you. It's Florida, and I mean, the best thing that I can say about Florida is they don't want Donald Trump. <laughs> That's I, the best thing I can think about Florida. You know, we need to learn that the cops need to learn, the officers need to learn that when they do something wrong or racist, that there are repercussions yeah. to those actions, that they will be in trouble if they do this. And, you know, people like Barbecue Becky. Oh, my God. Um, screw you, Barbecue Becky. You can go straight to hell. Let the people have a damn barbecue. That man was doing nothing to you. Um, I actually probably would have went over there and asked him if I could barbecue with him because that food looked good. Um, uh, what do they call her? Uh, the girl who called the cops on the little girl for selling water. I can't remember. Patty or... Permit uh, Patty. Patty. Yeah. Permit Patty goes straight to hell. You know, that little girl's doing nothing to you. Back these, off. These people have... I, I believe is how you stop these people is making it... 
everyone needs to not be so scared to talk about it. Yeah. Like, like once we we just you know you get it out in the open, like people that, need to not be so afraid is what I'm trying to say to talk about how they are feeling in a productive way. Yeah. Because if someone says, "Hey, that hurts my feelings when you call me that." You know, maybe instead of saying, well, well, you just shouldn't be offended because it's just, you know, the, 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 you know, instead of that, say, say why, what, oh, I didn't know that hurt your feelings. Why does that hurt your feelings? You know, um, have a productive and informational, informational, you know, informative conversation about it and then less people you know, it's not going to be so stigmatized yeah. to talk about, you know, we shouldn't be so afraid to talk about how we feel. Exactly. You shouldn't have to riot and we shouldn't have to protest about it. We should just be able to say, that hurts. Yeah. And, and it shouldn't be. We shouldn't have to protest because, you know what? It shouldn't happen. These murders shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. These these things shouldn't happen. And what I realized, like, with my sister, you know, she said, well, I can hate them because they raped me. No, not, not all not of them. Not all uh, of these gangs raped you. You, you let know? one bad experience judge how you feel about a whole group of people what about you all don't these, even know. What about all these white people who think, oh, I can just go rape these little Mexican girls and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. What about all of the people trying to, to, just to come into our country and pay thousands of dollars to get here or hundreds of dollars to get here just to be trapped in like sweat houses and, and yeah. have their know. children taken away and given to God knows who. You know, I mean, all of, the, and, and that's one thing I don't understand when I just, I know this is a little tangent, but, okay, all of these kids got taken away from their parents yeah. at the border, right? <laughs> and um, all of these kids are Mexican, <laughs> and Mexicans are supposed to be what? Uh, rapists and murderers? Oh, and, uh, yes. yes. Drug as, dealers? As Trump says, yes. Yes. And so, Trump's people, all white, took these little Mexican boys and girls, and then they they gave them to people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And now they can't find the kids because or the parents. No one bothered to like write it down where they were gonna give the kids. Why do all these white people want these Mexican kids? All of his little friends. Why why do all of these people want them if they're murderers and drug addicts and and I don't rapists. know the logic behind their their craziness. I I don't understand it either. I say if you are out there and you took one of these kids, give them back to their parents because you don't own them. They are their parents are out there somewhere looking for them. Yeah. They they said that they located a bunch of them and they're they're giving back, but some of them they don't know where they went. That's just another thing. As a parent, I can't even imagine how these mothers and fathers feel, grandparents feel about losing these kids 
they were just stripped of them, and they all they were doing is trying to bring them over here to give them a better life, trying to not have them raped and murdered over there, because over there was the bad guys, and over here was supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. But instead, we got. But see, we have this sheet of perfectness thrown up over us, and there's actually this dark cloud underneath this white sheet of happiness of how America is bad, guys. We are flawed. We are not perfect. But not all of us. And, and, I mean, what we know that 74 million of us are. (laughs) Okay, we got the count number and as long as they keep their little Trump flags up, we know who's bad and who's good. So, keep those Trump flags up, people. You know, we'll know what gas station to stop at. We'll know what, you know, uh, garage to stop at. We'll know what grocery store to stop at. Not yours. I, you know, another thing that also not not a lot of people are willing to talk about is that there's racism of everyone here. Um, Not... Uh, pretty much not white people, <laughs> but um, a lot of times people will just throw out racist things towards Native American people like it's nothing. Like it does, they don't matter to people in this cult in this country, and no. they are what you know. In my opinion, black people and um, Native Americans and the Irish and the uh, Japanese are what this country was built off of. Yeah. We use them as our, our slaves to make this country in air quotes uh, great. Yeah. Um, you know, and like, like, people need to know that it's not okay. Like, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you can pretty much do whatever you want to a Native American person in this country and get away with it. Yeah. I mean, do you know how many missing Native American women there are in this country? Especially going towards Alaska. Uh-huh. And the and Canada up in, in, in uh, well not not in Canada, but in the Canadian border. The yeah. Towns. There are it is like there's a case of a girl who, of a little girl who was murdered, she was kidnapped from her home, they pretty much didn't even do anything to solve this this case. And they know who did it. They know who did it. But they can't charge him. And or why? they won't charge him. Um, because he's white? Oh, he's a white guy, I believe. But, you know, it... Sorry, I'm stammering so much. I'm frustrated. You know, it is it is okay to do whatever you want to people who are not white in this country. And you will most likely get away with it. And that's what's not okay. It is not okay. You know, we've set it... The system has set it up and is set up in such a way that, you know, it's pretty much impossible for people to have success if you're a poor black woman with children it's unless you have 
get some kind of miracle shot, you know, you're you're gonna be you're already set at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, you know, and and that's why a lot of people, and not just African Americans, but you know, white women, poor people in general, turn to like sex work and and things yeah. like that because there's no option for them. Yeah. They're set we the you know, system has set it up to where if you're not a rich white person, you're going to get absolutely nowhere in this country. And that's what needs to be fixed. And mostly rich white men. Yeah, rich white men cuz you know. I if know. you have boobs, you're not going to get very very yeah. far unless you work for Biden cuz like Look at his cabinet. Yay. We got everyone. <laughs> it's just, like, I listen to what... I'm very into criminal... The criminal justice system and stuff like that. I'm I'm really... Um, I like learning about law and, um, and all of that. And, you know, our prison systems need to be fixed. Our, the racism problem needs to be fixed. Uh, you know, when we start fixing these things, everything else will start fixing, will begin to be fixed as well. And I'm not saying that, oh, we should all just, you know, fix all of this overnight. It's going to take years for this to be fixed. But, you know, but- we have to start somewhere. And if you can just be nice to your neighbor. Yeah. If, if you see someone, you know, smile at them. You know, open the door for them. <laughs> that reminds me of this, of this guy that I met at a gas station. I was going <laughs> to say that. Um, we were in Mississippi uh, traveling through. And um, by, the, by the way, I would just, I'm sorry, oh. I'll, I'll let you get to your story. Um, Mississippi. Wear a freaking mask. Just put the mask on. If you're white, come on. Yeah, like all of the white people were not wearing masks. The ones that we saw, sorry. Um, Only black people were wearing masks. That is... What is wrong with you? There, But there was this man... I opened the, the... He was... I was going into the gas station to pay for the gas. And he was in coming after me. And I opened the door for him... And he stopped dead in his tracks, and this he's probably like 30, maybe 40, and he was like, hold on, a white lady just opened the door for me? I must be in heaven. And when we got into the store, um, the guy behind the counter, he was being a pervert and trying to hit on me, which I felt very uncomfortable because that never happens to me. Um, also he was saying really gross things to me and he was like kind of making fun of the white guy behind the counter trying to hit on me and was like, you know, we're the only smart people in here because even the cashier wasn't wearing a mask. But I, I, I just thought that was funny that, you know, that was his first, his genuine reaction that he was shook that... I was white and I opened the door for him. And and probably the fact that, you know, he's like, um, 
she said something like he was being the the guy behind the counter was being a pervert and he he kind of like went up against her and yeah, was he, standing there he like, kind of he like I, I didn't feel uncomfortable by this because usually I'd feel uncomfortable if anyone touched me but he kind of like put his hand on my shoulder like I'm I'm here this you know this I'm not gonna, gonna let this guy you. do anything because he was the stuff he was saying is I can't even repeat it it's gross but you know if if you can just open the door for someone or smile at someone or say hello to someone um we've just, talked for a long time i i know i'm wrapping it up if you could just like do those things uh just say hello care show someone you care that they're that they exist yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if they're black, white, green, purple, yellow, whatever. Whether or not they're, you know, a Catholic or a Mormon or a Muslim or Jewish no. or whatever. It does just, just take all of that away, strip it down, and say, Hi, person. It's nice to meet you. You're, you're going to find that that's going to make your day and their day so much better. Let's show people kindness and love, no matter who they are or what they do. And, I mean, even if they're orange and they have (laughs) flapping white, yellow hair, and, you know, they're racist against you, just, you know, kill them with kindness. Be like Greta. Yeah. Go on, Greta. (laughs) And, um... You know, just just try to love one another, no matter what you look like. Um, I hope this didn't come off um, in a bad way to anybody. Uh, no, and these you, are just our opinions and what we were thinking about at the time. And if you're offended by anything that I said or did, if you're uh, offended by... Um, or if you have anything to... To add on to what we were talking about, please let us know. Yeah. Because we would love to hear, you know, your thoughts on it. Exactly. And if you want us to do another uh, uh, podcast about this, we will. If you have some comments, then, you know, let us know and uh, we'll add your comment to next week's. And um, this is just how we see it. We love you, no matter who you are or what you are. Uh, we love you a little less if you're orange. <laughs> um, or with huge teeth and kind of scary. Uh, vampires um, are not welcome here. Yeah. Um, we love you, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.